And we're cruising right along on this Thursday. Hello, it's the show all about the South. John Rawl, the general of the South here. It's the Y'all Show, airing on great stations as well as in podcast form on Spotify, iHeartRadio, the TuneIn app, Apple Podcasts, Apple iTunes, and we're at y'all.com, all packaged together with Southern Conversation. We are the Y'all Show and packaged with love. If I can throw that out there too. Hope your Thursday going well so far. We will continue on this hour with more Southern Conversation as we have news headlines to tell you about. We got some Mickey Mouse stories to tell you about. Seriously, we're not Mickey Mousing around today as we've got info coming out of the great company that has made lots of you smile throughout the years. we got that coming up in our news headlines, plus this hour. It's our Festive South feature. We're going to go through some great festivals going down across Dixie this weekend, from talking about trees to talking about trains. That and a whole lot more. It's our Festive South feature. That's a little bit later this hour. Hour three today, a reminder that Kiefer Ingalls will be swinging by to talk college football. Can't wait for that. Would love to have you participate in the Y'all Show. We have a text line open 24-7, 615-208-4184, Mail, M-A-I-L, at y'all.com is how you can reach us via the email platform. Let's pick up our Y'all headlines of the day. And a reminder that on Wednesday, it was a busy day in Washington, D.C., especially if your name had to do with Biden. So Wednesday morning, Hunter Biden shows up and has a press conference, a gaggle, if you will, outside of the U.S. Capitol. And there he essentially says, I'm not going to testify in a closed-door setting for the Republicans there in the U.S. House as he defied a GOP congressional subpoena. Representative Comer of Oklahoma says that by doing this, Hunter Biden just got into more trouble. (laughs) We'll see. So that was Wednesday. They were playing games with Hunter Biden. Wednesday afternoon, the House Republicans started playing games against Hunter's daddy as they actually passed, I think the count was unanimous, a resolution to start an impeachment inquiry as they authorized this. They're hoping to, Republicans at least, vote to formalize their investigation and help their legal standing when enforcing subpoenas to Hunter Biden and other Biden family members. So a busy Biden day in Washington, D.C. on Wednesday, and we'll find out how much teeth this impeachment inquiry now has. Is Joe Biden actually going to get impeached? Do they have the goods on him? Something tells me that Republicans will walk this up to the edge, but not quite, not quite uh, go for the throat, for the jugular on Joe Biden. They're just, some people said doing Trump's dirty work. I can't say that's accurate, but if there is a definite need to bring to the public awareness of the, as Republicans often call them, the Biden crime family, then they have a a duty to do just that. And they have the duty to to bring out to light things that should have been brought out years ago, perhaps hidden 
by most of the media looked over not important enough when it should have been reported. Even the dealings in Ukraine, of which got Donald Trump impeached. But did Joe Biden have way too much crooked stuff going on in Ukraine and other countries around the world? That's why President Trump now calls Joe Biden crooked Joe Biden and has taken that name away from Hillary Clinton. He calls her beautiful Hillary Clinton, if you haven't heard him lately. He always says, oh, she's beautiful. She's just beautiful. I I assume Trump does not think of Hillary as competition anymore. And therefore, he can make her beautiful. (laughs) Elsewhere in our news headlines across the southeast today, an update coming out of Mickey Mouse land. As the earliest version of Mickey Mouse is going to actually hit the public domain in 2024, Mickey, as well as Minnie and Tigger, all will be in the public domain, which means, from all of you who've studied trademark law, that you can use it any way you want to. This is pretty good news to know, okay? So Steamboat Willie was the 1928 short that Mickey Mouse first appeared in, and it's going to be available for public use, that caricature. And how are you, are you going to start seeing as many Mickey Mouse items out there as you've seen American flag items, things that are in the public domain, Trump items, I guess, are in the public domain. U.S. law allows a copyright to be held for 95 years after Congress expanded it several times during Mickey's life. And so, sorry, Mickey, you're not going to be quite as uh, protected going forward in 2024. And I wonder if there's a specific date when that's set to happen, but... Okay, it's it's January 1st. The story says January 1st, 2024 has long been circled on the calendars of public domain watchers. So you can uh, start making all kind of stuff with Mickey on there if, you, if, if you'd like to. Okay. Crazy story out of the Commonwealth of Virginia. A DoorDash driver in Richmond says she was carjacked at gunpoint by two people. And one of the folks carjacking her at gunpoint was an 11-year-old boy, all while she was making a DoorDash delivery. 40-year-old Dion Smith said she was completing a delivery at an apartment complex on Westover Hills Boulevard in Richmond, Virginia, when she was approached by an 18-year-old man and an 11-year-old boy. She said initially she thought they were asking for money, but little did I know he was pointing a gun at me asking for my keys when he told me that he was going to shoot me i was like are you serious you want to kill somebody at your age the two suspects demanded her keys and then fled the scene in her car and her vehicle was later found in henrico county virginia crashed in a rural area and burned they burned her car luckily the juveniles were caught they were transferred to hospitals with non life-threatening injuries. The 18-year-old identified as Jahalia Henley. The 11-year-old has been charged with robbery. 
The loss of the car has impacted the woman's ability to get her full-time job as a home health care nurse and to take care of her. She's got a 10-year-old child. She had recently just paid off that car. And here we got an 11-year-old in Richmond out robbing people and carjacking people. Ridiculous, y'all. Where are the parents of these kids? Even the 18-year-old, while 18, is still a young person that has likely been causing things like this to happen for quite some time. Just a guess, but probably an accurate guess. Dion Smith didn't deserve this to happen to her. A GoFundMe account has been set up to help her. Just check out her name, D-E-O-N, Dion Smith. And you'll likely find her GoFundMe page. How cool would it be if thousands of dollars came in for this Richmond, Virginia woman working hard, working two jobs, DoorDash, and then a home health care nurse. And she ends up getting her car, her new paid off car stolen. And it was destroyed by these idiots, idiots carjacking her at gunpoint in Richmond, Virginia. Hmm. Another idiot story to tell you about. This comes to us from the state of Tennessee, where a bald eagle has been found shot dead near Watts Bar Lake in Kingston, Tennessee, as the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service Office investigating the shooting of this bald eagle. The Tennessee Wildlife Resource Agency announcing that the Fish and Wildlife Service investigating the shooting of this eagle at Watts Bar Lake in the Blue Springs Marina area of 10 Mile, Tennessee, which is near Kingston. The U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service offering a $2,500 reward to anyone with information that leads to the arrest and conviction of the person or people responsible for the shooting of this eagle. Anyone with information concerning the bird is asked to call the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service Office of Law Enforcement in Tennessee at 615 615- Two three six five five three two six one five seven three six fifty five thirty two. Bald eagles are protected under the Federal Bald and Golden Eagle Protection Act. Those who violate the law criminal penalties of up to ten, uh, rather a hundred thousand dollars, or one year in prison for violating the shooting of a bird, a bald eagle, or even a golden eagle. I didn't realize they were protected but um, somebody shot down and killed a beautiful bald eagle have y'all seen a bald eagle lately have you seen one flying around wherever you live and last I checked we got bald eagles coming back in I think a a significant way I won't call it a, a big way across the south and across the country but we know that we've got bald eagles flying around in the mountainous areas. We've got them in coastal areas of the southeast. I've seen them in between. And I've seen them in... (laughs) I personally have seen bald eagles in the wild in a couple of different southern states. So that is wonderful news to know. By the way, Watts Bar Lake is one of the south's largest lakes. It's got 39,000 acres and 771 miles of shoreline. Watts Bar Lake is, if you're looking at a map of Tennessee, 
It would be south of Knoxville. I guess it's formed from the Tennessee River. I think I'm right on that. And it flows, as the Tennessee flows downstream from Knoxville, this lake is almost touching I-40, it looks like. Still in East Tennessee, but right right, kind of where you have a division of East and Middle Tennessee as the river starts flowing south and ends up going toward the town of Chattanooga. That's where you'll find it. But Watts Bar and a bald eagle shot there over the last few days. Hopefully TWRA can find out what uh, person or persons are responsible for that killing in the state of Tennessee. Another headline to tell you about here on the Y'all Show is we've got something helpful for some of you out there if you're considering a divorce for Christmas, if you're looking for that perfect Christmas gift of divorce. We've got a breakdown of the most expensive states to get a divorce in and the least expensive states to get a divorce in. So is it a surprise to you that the most expensive state in the country to get a divorce in is uh, California. It will set you back over $10,000 for a divorce in California. The filing fee alone is over $400, but the median divorce cost leads the country with just over $10,000 for a California divorce. A lot of Californians are divorcing California. Not necessarily their loved ones, but just the state itself. And so 10000 is what it will set you back if you're looking to split, to go to Splitsville in the Golden State. Right behind them, no surprise, another liberal state that's pretty expensive to get a divorce in. New York State comes in with an average divorce costing $9,200. Oregon is number three. Massachusetts, four. Alaska is an expensive state to say, honey, I'm going to go without you here. Just over $9,000, the median divorce cost in Alaska. Hawaii is pretty expensive. Actually, Hawaii's median divorce cost is actually more than California, over $13,000. But for whatever reason in this breakdown, it's not considered to be the most expensive in the country. Florida is at number 10 in this list. It will cost you $7,400, the median cost for a divorce in the Sunshine State. So those are the expensive states to get a divorce in. By the way, the average cost of a divorce in the country, if you factor in all 50 states, $7,500, with the average American spending 7% of their annual income to resolve a divorce. So if those are the 10 most expensive states, again, Florida right there on the average cost nationwide at right at $7,500, what are the cheapest states to get a divorce in? Well, your cheapest state is actually Kansas. Nebraska comes in at two, Iowa three, Wyoming four, South Dakota five, North Dakota six, Ohio seven. Finally, some Southern love here. Oklahoma is the eighth cheapest state in the country to get a divorce in with $6,300, the average median divorce cost in 
the Sooner State. Mississippi, average divorce of $6,200. And then Georgia, right around $6,400 for a divorce in the Peach State. Keep that in mind before you go and have your meeting with your lawyer. You might want to check out and make sure you got $7,500 or more saved up to pay for that divorce. And you're having to pay that. Your ex-honey having to pay for that. Maybe you should just reconcile and get on back to being married. That would be a good thing. Some historic news out of the state of Mississippi. The first observation of Hanukkah was held at the state capitol in Jackson. And all this was to show support for Israel and for Jewish people across the state of Mississippi. A menorah lighting held with members of the Jewish community and the congregation of Beth Israel, which is a Gulfport synagogue. Governor Tate Reeves on hand, and he told those gathered that Mississippi will always stand with the Jewish people, especially in times of difficulty and persecution. And actually, Tate Reeves, the governor, helped light the menorah at the special lighting ceremony. Governor Reeves went on to say, I want to reiterate that here in Mississippi, we are praying for all the innocent people who lost their lives on October 7th. We're also praying for all the remaining hostages and praying for their safe return to their families. And we're praying for all those who have and will be losing their lives fighting this evil that from the governor of the state of Mississippi, at least eight Americans still being held as hostage by Hamas in Gaza. And I wonder how many southern states make a big observation of Hanukkah and the Jewish tradition here as we hit the holidays. But a menorah being lit as Hanukkah's about to wrap up. I think it ends on the 15th. Today's the 14th. So we have this special observation in the Jewish faith about to wrap up. But Tate Reeves and Mississippi honoring the state's Jewish residents with a menorah lighting in Jackson this week. And in the holiday spirit, let me tell you about how there are several towns in Alabama that look like a Hallmark Christmas movie. That, according to AL.com, as they've got out a breakdown of some really, really, I know one town that better be on this list. We'll find out if it may here in a second. But yes, sure enough, they've come out with this breakdown of great towns that make a perfect Hallmark Christmas movie setting. One is Andalusia. And in Andalusia, Alabama, they have the annual Christmas in Candyland event, which makes it perfect for a potential Hallmark Christmas movie. That's awesome. Also, Fairhope in South Alabama, the Bayside City, which is often known for people to go down during the summertime and hang out, but they have lovely flower beds at every corner in Fairhope. And the Grand Hotel has right now a gingerbread reproduction of the resort in the lobby. And it looks awesome and perfect for Christmas. Fairhope, a Christmassy type community in the state of Alabama. Another Alabama community that would make a great Hallmark Christmas movie location would be Coleman. As Coleman has the Chris Kindle Mark, a market described as being where German tradition meets Southern charm. I need to go there. Yeah. But they've got that going on in Coleman. And there you'll have German food and beer and more. 
and they have a 40-foot-tall rotating German wooden pyramid, supposed to be the biggest in all of North America there, in Coleman at the Christendelmark. Yavol, right off of Interstate 65. Gadsden in North Alabama, they have Christmas on the Coosa and Christmas at the Falls. Those are two big events that are open until December 23rd. And actually, Christmas on the Coosa offers ice skating on a 3,000-square-foot synthetic rink. (laughs) Ice skating in Alabama. Sounds lovely. So check that out in Gadsden, Alabama. And, no, the town that I was hoping would be on here has not made AL.com's list of Alabama towns that should be in a Christmas Hallmark movie. Prattville. Caitlin Collins on CNN, her hometown, home of the Lions. Prattville would make for a great Hollywood or Hallmark Channel setting. Prattville has the Otaga Creek Christmas Tree Trail that's got a bunch of trees, in fact, about 100 of them, 100 Christmas trees that are all decorated in historic downtown Prattville. Also, they have ice skating, carriage rides, and holiday decorations, plus Christmas caroling, food trucks, and something right out of the Hallmark Channel in Prattville. So Prattville, Gadsden, Coleman, Fairhope, and Andalusia in Alabama. Hallmark Channel, are you listening? These communities think that you should maybe show up with your bright lights and cameras and film these lovely Alabama villages in the future. And we love all of our southern towns that kind of go that extra step for Christmas. I was in a great southern town this past weekend. They had a Christmas shopping night, and they offered free cookies to everybody in all the stores. And that was a pretty neat event to partake. In fact, when the event wrapped up, there were some extra cookies, and I took them. Don't tell the little kids, okay? <laughs> and, and that's a look at some of our news headlines here in Hour 2 of the show all about the South. When we come back, speaking of places to go and Christmas and more, we've got our Festive South feature. We're going to take a gander at some of the great, great events going on this weekend as we have Christmas celebrations But, y'all, we got some other things going on that have nothing to do with Christmas. If you are sitting there bored and you're thinking, if I could just go one place this week, I've already got my next week plan set up with Christmas, but this week I don't want to be bored. I want to have something fun to do. Well, the Y'all Show is going to come through for you. It's our Festive South feature and some great festivals across the South that we'll be breaking down for you as the show All About the South continues. It's time to make some noise There's nothing I like more than playing music with the boys And we ain't just whistling Dixie We came to lay it on the line And if you like hillbilly music I reckon we'll get along just fine Well, we brought our trusty banjo And our guitar too Of course we got the doghouse bass And yeah, our grass is blue just whistling Dixie, we came to lay it on the line. 
Oh, yeah. We're back here on the Y'all Show. That is an act called Grandpa's Cough Medicine and a track called Hillbilly Music. And the reason we're playing that, I'll tell you in just a sec. We're back here on the Y'all Show, getting you ready for the weekend as it's, yes, it's already Thursday, and you might want to start planning your weekend out. And here, each Thursday at this segment in time, we have what we call our Festive South feature, where we break down some great events going on across the Southeast. And you know what? You can check out Grandpa's Cough Medicine in person this weekend, as they're going to be part of the Florida Winter Music Festival. And that's taking place in Brooksville, Florida. That is just north of Tampa. And that's going on all weekend long. Grandpa's Cough Medicine will be there alongside probably, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to look at the breakdown of bands. It looks like about 30 musical acts from all types of music will be part of the Florida Winter Music Festival this weekend in Brooksville. Other acts include Apple Butter Express. It looks like the Luden Brothers will be there. Leon Mackchen will be there, as well as Sincerely Yours. Poke It With a Stick is a band that will be performing. Will's Coffee House. And a bunch of other people. You just need to go to FloridaWinterMusic.com to look up the incredible lineup of bands and the tickets are on sale there as it's part of a a great weekend before Christmas celebration in Brooksville, the Florida winter music festival and check out grandpa's cough medicine while you're at it (laughs) there at the Florida sand music ranch in Brooksville. That's Saturday and Sunday when you can see this fun event fun event and in brooksville florida in december i think you'll be just fine you won't have to take too many blankets you'll not need to be bundled up with someone you love more than likely i've had barbecue in brooksville great little place there that we featured once in y'all magazine stopped by there they could not have been nicer they actually had the article up on the wall and they took me in the kitchen and showed me some of their tricks of making barbecue there in brooksville and i Sincerely appreciate that. That's been 20 years ago, sadly, since I was <laughs> out there checking that place out in, in barbecue land in Brooksville. But this weekend, you can go check out some great music with the Winter Music Festival there in Brooksville, FLA. This weekend, also, you got going on in the state of Maryland, the Holiday Festival of Trains. We're going to have a lot of trees being celebrated this Christmas Eve weekend, Christmas, literally Christmas weekend Eve is maybe what we should call this particular weekend. It's the weekend before Christmas comes. But the Holiday Festival of Trains is in Baltimore at the B&O Railroad Museum on Pratt Street. And this is taking place Sunday. If you get a chance to go to the B&O, which is the Baltimore and Ohio Railroad Museum, should be a fun time for the Holiday Festival of Trains. Going on this weekend in the state of North Carolina, it's the North Carolina Chinese Lantern Festival, and that's at the Coca Booth Amphitheater in Cary, North Carolina. That's actually a Friday event. Friday evening is when the North Carolina Chinese Lantern Festival will brighten up your day. <laughs> Going on this weekend 
in Myrtle Beach, just down south of North Carolina. You got the festival, not of trains, but Myrtle Beach has the Festival of Trees. And this will be taking place, believe it or not, at Ripley's Aquarium of Myrtle Beach. Yes, the same Ripley's, believe it or not, has an aquarium. And instead of looking at fish this weekend, you can go there in Myrtle Beach and check out Christmas trees. It's a festival of trees at Ripley's Aquarium in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. This weekend in Teleco Plains, Tennessee, it's the Teleco Plains Horse Christmas Parade at the Teleco Plains Community Center on Bank Street in Teleco Plains. Now, are you all familiar with Teleco Plains? If you're not, it's because it's probably a little bit out of the way for most of y'all in the southeast. To go to Teleco Plains, you kind of you kind of be you kind of have to be wanting to go to Teleco Plains as it's truly right on the edge of Tennessee slash North Carolina. It is in very, very southeast Tennessee. It is to the east of Cleveland. It would be kind of to the northeast of Chattanooga and Hamilton County. But it is a Tennessee location of note to tell you about. And this weekend, it's the Teleco Plains Horse Christmas Show. Teleco Plains is in Monroe County, Tennessee, population of only 859. And it has a lovely view of the mountains. It's right there on that North Carolina border. And the area is along the Teleco River. And the Muscogee are the ones that first settled in Teleco Plains, Tennessee, the Muscogee Indians before they ended up moving south later in the 18th century. Then the Cherokee came in and settled in Teleco Plains before the European colonial settlers came in. And the fur trade was big in that area. There was a fur trade factory that was in Teleco Plains in the time period around 1800. And actually, did you know that Teleco Plains, the former site of the Cherokee town of Great Teleco, and the Cherokees, of course, were really large in that section of Tennessee and North Georgia before the Indian Removal Act of the 1830s pushed them on the Trail of Tears. As the Europeans then moved in in force and started large agricultural plots, the county of Monroe County was actually pro-Confederate as the Civil War was breaking out. Most people voted for secession from the Union there in that section of East Tennessee, which was uncommon in that day. In fact, during the Civil War, General William T. Sherman's Union Army, they destroyed the Teleco Iron Works, and it was a big force there before it was destroyed by the Yankee soldiers. There's also been a gold rush there in the late 1800s in Teleco Plains at Coker Creek. They had a little bit of a gold rush there. So a historic little town in Teleco Plains, Tennessee. This weekend, there in Monroe County, it will be a celebration of horses and Christmas. It's the Teleco Plains Horse Christmas Parade, and that's Saturday afternoon in that little lovely place in southeastern Tennessee. Going on this weekend in Huntington, West Virginia, along the banks of the Ohio at Pullman Square, you'll find Kids Fest, and that's Saturday from 11 until 4. So enjoy a a good old time out there at Kids Fest in Huntington, the home of Marshall University. 
This weekend taking place in the state of Oklahoma, it is a great event called the Christmas at the Fort at the Fort Towson Historic Site, and that's in Fort Towson, Oklahoma. Fort Towson is just like Teleco Plains, Tennessee, a historic place, as it was settled in the Choctaw in the Choctaw portion of Oklahoma, as Fort Towson was a frontier outpost for the frontier army quartermasters along the permanent Indian frontier, is what it was called in the day. And again, this is in Choctaw, in their reservation, if you will, in the state of Oklahoma. If you're looking at a map, this would be the southeastern corner of the state along the Comanche River and the Red River in what's now called Choctaw County in Oklahoma. And Fort Towson actually gets its name from a Marylander that ended up moving to, I'm thinking he moved to Alabama. Could have been Mississippi. But named after General Nathaniel Towson, of which Towson, Maryland, and Towson University named after Nathaniel. But Fort Towson established way back in 1824 as it was right on the edge of the Indian Territory and it was built to guard the border with the Spanish colonial territory to the south. That would be Texas. And so back in November of 1830, the Army ordered the construction of a permanent fort in the area as it had been designed for the relocation of the Choctaw from Mississippi under the Indian Removal Act. And this new site chosen about six miles into the area, and they built this fort. And today it still has its remnants there in Choctaw County in Oklahoma. And go there this week. It's a great little event going on. Christmas at the fort at Fort Towson Historic Site in Fort Towson, Oklahoma. In Byram, Mississippi, if you're looking to back the blue, as in law enforcement, check this out this weekend as it's Back the Blue Festival at Dockery Grill in Byram in the Jackson area. And this is going to be both Friday and Saturday at Dockery Grill. Back the Blue. We'll make sure to do that. Ashland, Kentucky this weekend. It's the Winter Wonderland of Lights Festival at Central Park in Ashland. And that's Saturday evening. Get your Christmas cheer going with a Winter Wonderland of Lights Festival in Kentucky. The second annual Christmas in the Country event is going on at Kirksey Park in Mulberry, Arkansas, both Saturday and Sunday. You know it's good when they have their second annual Christmas in the Country. How about this event in Alabama this weekend? In Foley, you can go check out the Sugar Plum Festival in downtown Owa. Owa is that great little entertainment venue that's been set up by the porch band of Indians in South Alabama and on OWA OWA Boulevard in OWA in the Foley area. It's the Sugar Plum Festival. The Sugar Plum originated as a piece of hard candy made of hardened sugar in a small round or oval shape. Now the plum in the name of this confection does not always mean plum in the sense of the fruit of the same name, but commonly refers to a small size and spherical or oval shape. So traditional sugar plums often contained no fruit, but instead they had hardened sugar balls, and these hardened sugar balls were often surrounded by nuts and spices and more. So that's why you hear about sugar plums at Christmas time 
And in Foley, Alabama this weekend, they're celebrating sugar plums in a big way at Owa in South Alabama. Get your sugar fix there in Foley. Flowery Branch Festival. They love their Jeeps there outside of Atlanta. And this weekend, Santa's Jeep Festival is taking place in Flowery Branch, the training facility. That's the place where the Atlanta Falcons train. And they're in Flowery Branch in Hall County. Santa's Jeep Festival will be cranking up. Wentzville, Missouri this weekend at the United Methodist Church there on Wall Street. It's the Christmas Holiday Bazaar, and that's Saturday going on from 9 until noon at Wentzville UMC in Wentzville, Missouri. Holiday Bazaar, and that's not a bizarre thing to tell you about. Going on this weekend in the state of Texas. It's the Winterfest Car Show and Toy Drive at Georgetown's Texas Speed and Performance on Velocity Drive in Georgetown, Texas. Getting your your uh, fast cars and freedom going on. It's Winterfest Car Show and Toy Drive, Georgetown, Texas. In the D.C. area this weekend in Centerville, Virginia, it's the Bull Run Regional Park hosting the Bull Run Festival of Lights. That's Saturday, 5 to 10 p.m. Check it out in this area known for its Civil War battles. But this weekend, lights will be what will be firing off there at Bull Run. Also going on this weekend in Gonzales, Louisiana, it's the Baton Rouge Cat Show. Meow. (laughs) This is taking place at the Lamar Dixon Expo Center on St. Landry Avenue in Gonzales. The Baton Rouge Cat Show for all you feline lovers out there. And that will wrap up our look at all of our festivals across the Southeast. We've got quite a variety going on, and you have no excuse to be sitting on the couch this weekend and having nothing to do. we got your weekend all planned out, from cats to trains to sugar plums and a whole lot more. The Y'all Show will continue after this break as we wrap up our second hour. Hang on. We've got a look at what's coming up on y'all.com. Right now, we just posted a story that's perfect for the new year. All of that is ahead on y'all. Florida Crackers there, David and Howard, the Bellamy Brothers, 
and let your love flow. And that's going to help bring to an end our second hour of Southern Conversation. And I'm playing Let Your Love Flow because we got an article up at y'all.com all about the flow. The flow, not of the Bellamy Brothers' beautiful hair, but no, seven loose and flowy fashion favorites. Oh, Marshall Bones back at it as he talks about something called shackets. Have you heard of shackets? Also, learn all about blanket hoodies, tunics, maxi and midi skirts, kimonos, as well as off-shoulder tops. If you're a lady out there and you're looking for something really neat to read while you're sitting on the airplane or the bus or somebody's driving you into work, (laughs) check out this article at y'all.com. We just posted it. Seven loose and flowy fashion favorites. That's up at y'all.com. We also have on the South's homepage, Seven Natural Ways to Tame Stress. Great interviews with country music legends and more. Our Y'all show's got some video archives posted at y'all.com. Check it out, y-a-l-l.com. And that website presents this show, the Y'all show. And we're back for another hour right after this timeout. Stay tuned, y'all. Welcome back in. It's the last hour on our Thursday conversation that we call the Y'all Show. The general of all things Southern is my name, and that would be, that. well, that's my nickname. My name is John Rawl, Mr. Rawl, and I'm here bringing you Southern conversation and news and happenings and gossip and fun and just about everything in between. We appreciate you taking time to join us on great radio stations across the South. Plus, we're also in podcast form on Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn app, Apple Podcasts, Apple iTunes, and posted at y'all.com. All you have to do is search for The Y'all Show and you'll find us. And go ahead and hit that button to like us and follow us and you'll be set to never miss one second of the Southern conversation called The Y'all Show. Kiefer Ingles is coming by in just a few minutes to talk college football as we've got our first bowl games of the postseason set up for Saturday. And we'll get Kiefer's take on all those. We'll walk you through the schedule. And we'll also talk transfer portal with Kiefer when he comes by with his weekly look at college football. That's ahead. Plus, before we get out of here this hour, we've got hashtag Hullabaloo coming your way. And in today's hashtag Hullabaloo report where we find things on social media, we've got a conversation coming in about charter schools and vouchers. All that plus Advent is something that someone has brought up to us. And we'll share all that information later on in the program. So it's the Y'all Show broadcasting again on this Thursday. Thank you so much for those of us, those of you who listen, and you're always welcome to participate. You can drop us an email, M-A-I-L mail at y'all.com. Let's zip through some headlines before Kiefer comes in and let's tell you about Judge Chutkin. Are y'all familiar with Tanya Chutkin? She's the U.S. District Judge in Washington, D.C. On Wednesday, the judge has now paused President Trump's 2020 election interference case. 
She's pausing it while he appeals his immunity claim to the U.S. Supreme Court. So this has been now postponed. It was scheduled, the thing's supposed to go to trial March 4th, but she's now postponed it. And some are seeing this as a victory for the Trump legal team, as he's got more than his fair share of legal fights going on right now. But for for once, he might can breathe a sigh of relief that this is one case that is going to at least be something he doesn't have to worry all that much about. He can focus on things like, hmm, Iowa, perhaps, perhaps New Hampshire. More, he's got a busy, busy, you know, as much as it would be cool to be Donald Trump, then again, man, how does he do it? He's Superman for some of y'all out there. Sad news out of the state of Georgia. A high school baseball player that we told you about a few weeks ago has now died after he was struck in the head during a batting cage practice at Gainesville High School in Gainesville, Georgia. 18-year-old Jeremy Medina has now died after he was in coma for quite some time there at the hospital in Gainesville. And according to his high school, Gainesville High School, home of the Red Elephants, the young man ended up dying from his head injury. And the principal of the school there, Jamie Green, said that there was no horseplay, no misconduct, and and no intent. It was just simply an accident when he was hit in the head by a baseball bat and then had to go to the Northeast Georgia Medical Center where, sadly, he died earlier this week. He'd already been declared brain dead, but a tragic couple of days in the state of Georgia for its high school athletes. We saw one young man die on the eve before his high school football team played before the play for a state championship in Atlanta. And then this week we told you in Valdosta that a young man there, a 16-year-old, was killed. He was on the Valdosta high school football team. He was killed trying to help clear a dead dog off a highway there in Valdosta, and that young man lost his life. So our thoughts with all the families and others in the state of Georgia as they're really having a tough go of it here just before Christmas. Also in our news headlines across the southeast today, the Yuletide is here. And did you realize that there was a Kentucky family? This is kind of like a scene out of Christmas Vacation. (laughs) There was a family that got quite a surprise in their Christmas tree. They had decorated their Christmas tree, and it was beautiful. And for four days, Michelle White and her family had this Christmas tree in their Kentucky home. But they did not realize that the tree had a special visitor as there nestled somewhere inside the home was a neat little owl that was roosting in the family's Christmas tree. And it was there for several days before it was discovered and uh, rather scary. It's a big owl. I mean, this is, (laughs) this is a big, big owl in this Lexington, Kentucky home. And uh, uh, I, I, I think I would, probably have to go to the restroom if I spotted one of those things in my Christmas tree unexpectedly. And so, yes, the family now dealing with this owl, and hopefully it's found a a nicer, uh, more safe place. The owl was hanging there in the tree for four days before somebody spotted it. What a peaceful owl. Who, you ask? Yes, the owl getting ready for Christmas in in a big way. And that story coming to us from Lexington, Kentucky, and Merry Christmas to the owl, Christmas owl. I think in Christmas vacation, it was a 
maybe a squirrel that jumped out of the tree or something like that. It's about time for some of you to see that movie. That's a tradition for a lot of you across the South. You, you just can't have Christmas without a little Chevy Chase. And uh, Brenda, whatever her last name was, I know it's a Italian name, but uh, what a cool movie, fun movie. And what a fun story there about owls and Christmas trees in Kentucky. Well, that wraps up our news headlines of the day. When we come back, we're going to turn our attention to college football. Did you realize that Saturday is chock full of college football bowl games? We're going to try to make sense of the madness. Mr. Pigskin Prognosticator, Kiefer Ingalls, dropping in to tell us about all of the games. Plus, he's going to work extra hard and help me and help you figure out what in the heck's going on with the transfer portal. It's confusing. We will make sense of this. Plus, we got National Signing Day about to happen. It may have happened actually yesterday, come to think of it. We'll talk about college football next. Put an Eagle Six on it, Georgia Southern fans. We're back here on the Y'all Show, getting you ready for the start of college football's postseason bowl games galore. John Rawl here with Mr. Pigskin Prognosticator. It's Kiefer Ingles. What's going on, my man? Are you ready for bowl season, my boy? I'm, I'm so ready. I'm. That's about all I think about. Really? Yeah. I love, Are you I serious? Love, I love college football, man. It's one of the few things that makes me happy in this life. So, yeah, when it's getting close to being over, I'm getting a little sad. Am I somewhere up there on the list of things you think about? I associate you with college football, so yes. Okay, so I'm, <laughs> I'm high on your list. I would say so. Okay, but not, not as high as bowl games. Well, the Georgia Southern Eagles among a whole bunch of teams that will be playing Saturday. In fact, Georgia Southern kicks off. The Bowl Madness. Yep, they're they're the, first the first one. First one in the Myrtle Beach Bowl there at Brooks Stadium in O'Ree County. 10 a.m. this Saturday. 10 a.m. Central, 11 o'clock Myrtle Beach time. It's the Myrtle Beach Bowl, Georgia Southern out of the Sun Belt and out of the MAC, the Ohio Bobcats. Yeah, Georgia Southern, they're coming off a, uh, you know, not the not the greatest end to their season, but they still made a bowl. They, they're coming off four straight losses. Um, Ohio's coming off winning four of their last five, so they've got the, the juice coming into this game. But I'd like to see Georgia Southern give it a run here, man. I like the Eagles. Nice turnaround for Georgia Southern. Coached by? Who is, who is their coach now? You should know this. I'm impressed by them getting this guy as a head coach. Clay Helton. Oh. Former, former USC, USC Trojan. Followed up former by, Auburn quarterback. Yeah, he followed up Lane Kiffin there at USC. And I thought he did an average above. He did as good as Lincoln Riley's I was going to say, his record is identical to Lincoln Riley's. Is it really? Through two years, yeah. And a lot less money, I'm sure, they had to pay Clay yeah. Helton. But he's coaching Georgia Southern. A lot Southern. less Heisman's over there for Clay Helton, though. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Myrtle Beach Bowl, it's Georgia Southern and the Bobcats of Ohio. The FCS has Florida A&M and Howard playing in the Celebration Bowl. This is the winner of the MEAC versus the winner of the SWAC. SWAC. ABC's got this one. I don't even know why they're allowed to have this bowl. 
they're the only FCS teams that get to go to a bowl game. Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, the FCS, you know, they're they're. I guess they value their playoffs over the bowl games. I don't know. I mean, maybe the. I mean, surely they. You know, North Dakota State would get a bowl game if they weren't playing in FCS playoffs. I mean, FCS playoffs. We got those games Friday and Saturday. Um, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Yes, but that was. You know, that's kind of how. I but feel about basically, that. the MEAC, which only has about five members. I mean, it's pathetic that they even have a conference with as few teams as they have there in the MEAC. And the SWAC has a bunch of members now. They've had MEAC members leave to go to the SWAC, like Bethune, Cookman, and FAMU. But the Celebration Bowl, those two conferences in FCS basically say, we're not going to try to play for a national championship. The greatest thing that we're going to play for is the Celebration Bowl, a de facto black college national championship is yes. what, what it's called. So last year... Was it was Jackson State, I believe, playing in the celebration? Yeah, bowl? and they yeah, got yeah. beat by South Carolina State. Yeah, they did, and they got beat in two back to back celebration bowls. Yep, Dion couldn't get it done, and he can't get it done in Boulder either. Evidently, New Orleans Bowl is the Jacksonville State Gamecocks in their first year of FBS play. They get to go to a bowl because of the lack of other bowl teams eligible, yeah. and the Gamecocks and Rich Rodriguez will be taking on the Louisiana Raging Cajuns in New Orleans. It's the New Orleans Bowl. And this is a, what is it, a 315 Eastern, 215 Central ESPN contest. 115 Central. 115 Central, sorry. Contest on ESPN. Thoughts on Jacksonville State? I mean, Jacksonville State, you know, they've got a, they played South Carolina pretty good towards the end of the season. Um, lost Barely lost to New Mexico State in their last game. And New Mexico State, obviously, you know, they beat Auburn. Um but, you know, the Raging Cajuns, I like the Raging Cajuns, man. I do. All right, in this one, you're going with ULL. See, huh? I'm I'm so torn. You know, I'm not. I'm not. There's no favorites out for this. Yeah, Jacksonville State's two-and-a-half-point favorites. You mean, the Raging Cajuns lost to Arkansas State, man. They let Butch Jones put it on them by three scores. <laughs> I, I think that game was in Lafayette, too. All I right. mean, yeah, that, that's not good. Cure Bowl has the Miami – Red Hawk Indians, Mr. Roethlisberger's alma mater, winners of the MAC. Going against Luke Combs' alma mater. And they've got a quarterback from my hometown there, quarterback in the Red Hawk Indians. Oh, really? And he was like a second string guy that had to come in, but he led them to the MAC championship. Smith? Avion Smith? I think that's it. Yeah, Lexington, South Carolina. There you go. Noel, he played with the Timberwolves, and I never had heard of him until I was just was flipping through, and I said, he's a whatever he is, what year he is from, from that town that I'm from. Hey, uh, he's a sophomore. Mm-hmm. Six one two ten. And Looks like a player, man. Yep. And so he's playing there for Miami, and they're they're playing Appalachian State in the Cure Bowl in Orlando. ABC's got this one, three thirty Eastern, two thirty Central. The Cure Bowl, New Mexico Bowl. How about New Mexico State? This has yep. probably been the worst team in college football. Although UMass has given them a run for the money here lately. But New Mexico State has had one heck of a turnaround. They're awesome, somehow. With Coach Kill, I think is his last name. And he used to be the head coach at Minnesota. He's the one that he used did. to have the seizures, and they had to stop football games. But he's come back to life as the got Aggies him, head coach. Got him on the medical uh, stuff out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that happens in Las Cruces, which Toby Keith told me one time that the best Mexican Tex-Mex Mexican food he's ever had was in to- was in Las Cruces, New now Mexico. Now that's a, that's an opinion on Mexican food. I and, think I'd have to trust. And I've, I've actually flown into Albuquerque, which is the site of the New Mexico Bowl, 
and probably the best Mexican food I've ever had was in the airport. In the airport, yeah, they have they have a Mexican restaurant there in Albuquerque at the airport, and I had to I had a little bit of a delay, and I ate there. They had this awesome buffet. Man, that's something that makes a delay okay. Having a a buffet, yeah, a buffet like that there. I doubt there's too many buffets left in airports after COVID. There's not many buffets left anywhere, man. That's true. It's a sad thing. That is true. Big buffet guy. New Mexico Bowl. It's not the Lobos there, the home team playing in it. It's their rival. From down in Las Cruces, who I think they might have even beaten the Lobos this year. It's the Aggies of New Mexico State and Fresno State. Lane Kiffin's alma mater going up against each other. 545 Eastern, 445. Yes, and they used to never beat. They used to not beat anybody. New Mexico State. They beat Auburn. Crazy. Until this year. Until this year. ESPN has this one. How about Mr. Gronkowski? From? He's, He's got his own. Rob. Yeah. He's got his own bowl game. Really? Yeah. You remember, it used to be the Jimmy Kimmel L.A. Bowl. Well, now it's the Rob Gronkowski L.A. Bowl. <laughs> you, did you not know this? No. He's sort of a sponsor of it. Now, that's cool right and there. And it's the L.A. Bowl in Inglewood there at the home of the Rams and Chargers. It's UCLA and Boise State in a primetime game on ABC. Yeah, man. I like uh, I like Boise State's chances here. It's UCLA's the four-point favorite, but you know they've had a pff, lackluster into their season, I'd say. Um, Boise State, though, they're coming off – they're pounding teams. You know, they're scoring 40 points a game. So I didn't keep up with UCLA-USC. Did, did the Trojans win that one? No, they didn't. So UCLA, UCLA, UCLA won that game. But then they lost the next week 33-7 to Cal. Hmm. About Cal. Cal's playing also Saturday. They're in the Independence Bowl. This is a pretty good little lineup in Shreveport. On ESPN, you can tune in Saturday evening and see the Red Raiders of Texas Tech and the Cal Bears. Yep, Cal, two pretty big matchups on Saturday. You know, their basketball team's facing off a undefeated SEC opponent, and who? they've got Tech. Who? The only one? The only undefeated SEC There's team? There's only one SEC undefeated basketball team. Indeed. That would be Mississippi State? No. Which Negative. lost? Who did they lose? They lost to Southern the other day. They lost to Southern the other day. They almost, you know, they had a nail-biter last night um, in which they almost lost. But To who? Um, Murray State. Ah. David Thomas University. Well, David Thomas uh, University up there, man. They four DTU. points away. Four, <laughs> DTU. <laughs> four points away from Speaking knocking off Mississippi, Mississippi State. State. I didn't realize that Rick Stansberry, their longtime head coach, is now an assistant for Penny Hardaway at the University of Memphis. I didn't know I that either. I saw him the other day. He's a good coach, man. He, 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 he's the one that got State to the Final Four back in the 90s. I think I'm right on that. Rick Stansberry. Didn't realize he was with Memphis. I, I watched Memphis play in person about a week and a half ago and – they look good, man. I like yeah. Penny. Yeah, yeah. All right, so Texas Tech and Cal. Cal, their last game as a so-called member of the Pac-12. They'll be an ACC member before you know it. It's crazy, isn't it? It is crazy. It makes no sense, <laughs> except for in those crazy sports like lacrosse and and women's soccer and golf and more where the Pac-12's done really well. Right. So, But, we, like, you know, how does it make any sense financially, logistically, it's ridiculous. Whatever. All that travel, holy moly. You got a midweek game against I mean, you got Stanford going to have a midweek game against I don't know, Duke. <laughs> I mean, it's a travel across the entire country. Yeah. Well, those are the games taking place Saturday. We're with Kiefer Ingles here on the Y'all Show. We're right in the middle now of college bowl season as it kicks off Saturday. And what's the Saturday lineup of the ones we just mentioned? Which one are you most excited to put some uh pizza money on 
Oh, yeah, you know the pizza and hope beer money. Hope your wife's not listening. Oh, she, dude, she set the budget, baby. That's how. That's how you got to do it. <laughs> Which one are you gonna make money on? Uh, I don't know. I like the Boise State UCLA game. Okay. All right, and the feds are about to knock on our door. Now we won't have a chance to talk to you before a couple of more of these bowl games happen. This is what you really love. Okay, you're used to football games on Saturday. But how about a bowl game on Monday? Yeah, man. This we got is, one this is on the Tuesday. Right here, we got one on Thursday of next week. Yo. So Monday, it is the famous Toastery Bowl. And I'm really excited about this one because nope. it's at one thirty in the afternoon. It is, it is one thirty Central baby. from Nassau in the Bahamas. It's actually been temporarily, temporarily relocated to Charlotte for some reason. Oh, really? That's what it says here. Oh, yeah. It's been. It's the Bahamas Bowl. But it's been temporarily renamed the famous Toastery Bowl, and it's been temporarily relocated to Charlotte for a game between Western Kentucky and Old Dominion. Yeah, I'm looking at Old Dominion here. I mean, and Charlotte ain't Nassau. No, I mean, I would be very disappointed if I, you know, yeah, baby, we got the Bahamas Bowl. We're going to the Bahamas, and then have you been to the Bahamas? Yes. It's not that exciting. Uh, I like the Bahamas. Yeah, it's it's Bahamar. Of, great hosts there. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's better than friends of the program. <laughs> other places, but it's it's not exactly like going to. It's 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 it's. A, I, I, so I, better, I, so, I better shut up in case they're listening. Well, it's the, the only it's the only place like that I've been to though. So I really don't have anything to compare it to. Like I'm not comparing it to a Cancun. I'm not comparing okay. it to a place like that. So, all right. I mean, it's, that may be the where I'm. You know, coming in, coming up short. I don't know. I'm going to shut up because I'm waiting for that invitation from the Bahamas. Evidently, they're having problems having bowl games. So, the, well, if they need live live shows down I, there, I'm ready to come on down to Nassau. <laughs> I did go there on my senior trip from high school. Oh yeah, yeah, on a cruise ship. The only cruise I've ever been to. I've never been on a cruise. Maybe one of the reasons I'm not the biggest Bahamas fan. I was I was planning on I had grandiose dreams of you know owning cruise lines during COVID. I was like, man, I'm gonna buy all these cruise stocks, and then they're never gonna go out of business. But still haven't recovered. <laughs> man, I need to hook my anchor to you sometime. You got all these big plans. Uh, just let me let me uh, hang out there in the what do they call that? In leech. The, <laughs> it, leech would be the term, but it's not a nautical term. What what's that called? The uh, when you go the the aftermath of a boat when it comes through the wake not the wake but the stuff behind you whatever i'm not a i'm not a sailor not yet at least we well that's you know once we get the big money retire down to tahiti <laughs> become residents of the eu that way we can buy land in tahiti and open our little boat dock that's down part there. of the eu i think so i think you gotta be a you gotta be a uh, citizen of the eu to be able to to live in a, tahiti? To, to own land in tahiti yes i believe so oh man we just learned so much when kiefer comes by here at the y'all show so can we move on it's western kentucky old dominion the monarchs and the hilltoppers there in charlotte beautiful afternoon bowl game. on monday afternoon 2 30 eastern 1 30 central then we got a game on tuesday and this one is actually going to be in prime time Kiefer. it's the Roadrunners of utsa and the marshall thundering herd it's the we frisco are. bowl prime time on espn tuesday yeah utsa i mean they've they had a great season. Not as good as last year. Um, they finished eight and four. They, you know, they lost in their uh, conference championship game to Tulane. Um, so they've moved up from obscurity to now being a member of the American. Yes, it wasn't their conference championship game though. They didn't make their conference championship. No, game. they lost to Tulane like the SM- next, SMU Tulane was the next to last mm-hmm. game for them or something, and they yeah. missed out. But what a turnaround for a program that didn't even play football a decade ago. Pretty nuts, isn't it? 
And now they're in. And all of their yeah. so UTSA they've in the past two years has kind of turned into a. I don't want to say a factory, but they've turned into a transfer portal exit destination. I mean, pe- the guys that come out of UTSA are players. So funny you should bring transfer portal up as we have wrapped up our bowl lineup with you. We'll get to more bowl games when you come by on our Christmas time with you next week. Kiefer, what is the latest on the transfer portal? You're my transfer portal go-to guy. Man, I mean, there's been – so much that's been going on in the portal. Like I said, we said names. last week. Give me names. Names. Uh, I mean, Walter Nolan, he's still in the portal. Um, he's still considering he's out getting all his yeah. money lined so he's up. Getting, he's getting, you know, getting the money lined up, taking his official visits to places. He's down in Oxford, Mississippi uh, tomorrow. Is he? He is. Him and his trifecta of Texas A&M, unbelievable Defectors. linemen. Hey, defectors, whatever you want to call them, they, they're welcome wherever. <laughs> they're going to get a big payday. Um, are they going to Knoxville? Didn't I hear them in the mix? Well, Walter Nolan's from Knoxville, oh, and they? they are not in the mix. What? Yeah. So, checkbook must be uh, not big enough up there. I don't know what's going on. Uh, but there's a lot of big names in the in the transfer portal, man. UCLA, we talked about them. They've got their bowl game against Boise State. They're starting quarterback Dante Moore is in the portal. Um, so, they're going to be without their quarterback, and they're still favored against Boise. So, I don't know about that. Um Washington State, their quarterback, Cam Ward, he's probably the – he's in the top five of quarterbacks that's in the portal right now, um, name-wise. Um, he's going to be a, a pretty big name. Um, Will Rogers still in there from Mississippi State? He's in the mix, man. No Why is he not signed with somebody already? So I, what's the advantage of putting your name out there and then weeks later you're still in the portal? Fielding all the offers, man. I mean, a lot of guys like Malik Murphy, the Texas backup quarterback – He's in the portal before the playoff game. He's not going to be with the team. So now the backup quarterback for Texas is Arch Manning. So, so when you enter the portal, are you essentially off the team that you're on? No, but, you know, most coaches are going to be like, all right, like if you enter the portal, you're not welcome back kind of deal. I've never seen a video that kind of shows you how the portal actually works. Have you ever seen yeah, so you can, the device or however? You can look at the portal. If you want, can you? so there's a website that you can go in there, and when you, you know, if you if you're a student athlete, you've got your NCAA login credentials. Um, you can log in there and click your button and enter the portal. It's literally that easy. And you've seen this? Yes. Is it pretty user friendly? Yeah, it's 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 uh, very similar to uh, I don't know. It's very similar to like the healthcare marketplace. Okay, like. You know what I'm talking about? Or you go on there, you can see all your different coverages and all the different names. Like, you you know, you can select a position, and it shows, like, the list of names and the schools they're from. I mean, it's pretty nuts. It, it's been going on a couple of years now, so it's, it's yeah, so the way it's college sports It's been going on a couple works. of years, and um, before yesterday, the rule was that you could transfer one time. Um, you could obviously do a graduate transfer, and that would be a second transfer or whatever, but you could transfer before you're a graduate one time. Yesterday, there was a court ruling that – the the case is meant to decide if the one transfer limit is legal or not. If it should be one or if it should be unlimited, whatever. Yesterday they delayed the hearing, whatever. So for the for fourteen days. So for the next fourteen days, the there are players that have been previously ineligible due to mul- transferring multiple times. They've been waiting on eligibility waivers to to get cleared, whatnot. So for the next 14 days, those guys can play. So, for example, last night, Creighton, um, they played UNLV in basketball. Creighton's ranked number eight, and they've lost two games, three games now. 
UNLV's three and three and five, and has looked pretty terrible all season. Well, last night they get two guys that haven't played all season, but are you know top ten transfers from the portal last season, but they haven't been eligible. Well, now they just beat Creighton by twenty. <laughs> I mean, what are we talking about? They're eligible for fourteen days, and then after the fourteen days, they they immediately are not eligible again. Do these wins get voided? Do these wins even count? What if the what if the 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 initial or the final ruling of this court case is that they're not allowed to transfer more than once? Like, do these games get voided? What happens? This is it's pandemonium, and essentially, if it does get past free agency in college sports. Not what we want. No limit to how much you no can limit. transfer. No limit. Hey, they, you may see players transfer mid-season. I mean, it's 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 going to be unprecedented, and it sucks. So it one, does. it's one thing that could probably well, you ask for it. you and your people that wanted to play off well, and you wanted players one, to get money. You know, it's your fault, Keeper. See, one transfer is is fine, but you can't. Now you've opened up the door to as many times as you want, and now you got. I mean, you could you could see players playing at five schools in a in a career, which is insanity. Which we've seen. I don't think so. I've seen a guy personally play at about five schools, but he would have had to sit out a year in between all those. Sometimes he did. Sometimes he didn't because of COVID and other things. He, he didn't. There was one time he played in the spring for one team, but then moved on to another team, and they were in the same conference. So crazy! So crazy! But now, you know, maybe that happens, uh, you know, maybe it happens midweek. Maybe you get a, you know, a star player just transfers four or five times in the season, plays quarterback for five teams. I mean, it's a, it's a Pandora's box here. So with this 14-day rule in effect, so we've got bowl games going on. Are we going to see some of these players in football play that, I mean, that have been having to sit out? Possibly. I think they would, they would probably be ruled eligible now, now that the regular season is over because they've got to sit out for one regular season. Um, so it may not affect football that much. But I haven't really thought about it on the football side. Just because last night, you know, watching that basketball game, I was like, dude, this is unbelievable. One guy had five three-pointers and scored like 18 points. And I think it was 55 total that the guys from the the portal scored last night. I mean, that's insane. Did they transfer in from the Golden State Warriors? I know. I mean, but they were were top-ranked transfers last year. Man. It's crazy. Ole Miss Miss has one that's uh, Brandon Murray. Um, He's going to be eligible. Saturday, and he's there. He was there, projected to be their top player this year, and he's hasn't been eligible, but now he is for the next fourteen days. You bring up that team in Oxford. A friendly update. Let me find this guy that's always posting, and I'm seeing his stuff. I think he, he may have a future as a he, he, a little old Miss reporter. Man. Uh, I, he's a sports guy, but anyway, his posting here. The numbers keep coming down and down. It's the number of undefeated teams in college basketball. There's about five left. Clemson's one of them. Indeed. Clemson uh, is responsible for knocking off three of the other previous undefeateds that were on that list. I saw them beat South Carolina the other day. South Carolina was one of them. It was a fairly close game there in Clemson at Little John. Yeah, man. Chris Beard, he's, he's, uh, he's not choking this year, so that's good. (laughs) <laughs> that's terrible that's an inside joke Kiefer <clears throat> yeah inside I don't know <laughs> they're doing good down there man they're excited they, to watch it they are doing good yeah. anything else sports wise we need to be aware of sir uh, Shohei Otani um, essentially owns the actually Shohei Otani's interpreter essentially owns the, the LA Dodgers now because Shohei Otani's contract states that there is a specific employee of the LA Dodgers that should he be not an employee of the LA Dodgers at any point 
I can opt out of my contract at any time. Hmm. Doesn't name the person. The Dodgers don't know who, these, who he's talking about. Shohei Otani knows the person. And it's obviously his interpreter. But, like, they own him now. Hmm. It's crazy, man. Now that guy needs to start learning some English. Why? Because he should. I mean, if you're going to come to a country and make $700 million, yeah. you should at least have a few words down to where you can do an interview. Or you can make the team that just paid you $700 million also foot the bill for your interpreter and pay him like a million plus dollars a year. I yeah. mean, it's nuts. It's I, don't think, I don't think Ichiro ever had English down when he was playing for the Mariners. I loved Ichiro, man. Ichiro Suzuki. He was a he was a uh, a personality, but I don't. I'm, I think you're right. I don't think he ever had it totally down. But I also don't think he utilized an interpreter very often. I don't, I don't think so. He just didn't talk to anybody, which is kind of the way I am. That's how it was in the old days, man. The good old days. Yeah. So seven hundred million for him. I think it's deserved. Only it's, because he plays. Big, he's the biggest draw in sports. I mean, he plays. Uh, he's a hell of a hitter, and he's a hell of a pitcher. He's the only player. And the reason I think he deserves the contract more than anybody else is because he's the he's a worldwide draw. L.A. Dodgers games are going to be the number one games watched in Japan. And he would have been whatever team that would have been the case. Do you exactly. Think, do you think it was close for him to go to any other team? You don't know? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, the rumor the day before was he was going to the Blue Jays. Um, there was 22,000 people. So you'll think this is crazy. So are you you're aware of all the flight radar apps yes. and the flight trackers? You can listen to air traffic control, whatever. I keep my eye on you, yes. Okay, so the flight radar, I'm a I'm a flight radar addict. It's one of my ADHD obsessions is planes. So, you know, I hear a plane flying over me, I'm pulling Stalker. it up to track it. Yeah. But so there's twenty two thousand people that were stalking Shohei Otani's plane flying from Japan to Toronto. The rumor was Shohei's on this plane. It's literally his his team's plane. They're flying from wherever he's in Japan to to Toronto to sign with the Blue Jays. That was the rumor. Next thing you know, plane lands. Nobody gets off of it. Shohei posts on his Instagram that he's a Dodger. Is that right? So do you think he's like, well, you know, we're actually flying to Toronto right now to sign with the Blue Jays. If you take this deal, we'll we'll make it happen. He's in L.A. the whole time. <laughs> Crazy. Man, I, I think it was you that showed me the graphic that he used to announce that he was a Dodger. Did I? If it wasn't you, it was somebody else that I know pretty well. And, and the graphic was basically the L.A. Dodgers logo. Oh, it, yeah. It was a very just, you know, tossed together. Yeah. It, it's about as easy as you could get. I mean, yeah. For <laughs> no, 700 mil. Yeah. They didn't put much into the, into the PR budget for that announcement, I don't think. All right. And he posted it to his personal, and it was two days later that the, the official Dodgers uh, accounts acknowledged it. Right? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I like that guy, though. I mean, anybody that can do what he's done on the diamonds, pretty darn impressive. Keeper, I agree. what you're doing is somewhat impressive, and we appreciate you coming on and talking a little sports with us. Appreciate you having me, man. You, Look forward to it every week. Do you? So you're going to come on next week. Our, our Christmas edition. Christmas edition, man. Think, I'll be here. It'll be our final show before Christmas. When you're on next Thursday. Holly jolly Christmas, man. Yes, It'll be sir. my final show, show before the uh, the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl down there in Atlanta. All right. Well, get ready for that Myrtle Beach Bowl again. It's the first bowl Saturday in college football. Bright and early Saturday morning. We didn't talk FCS playoffs, but uh, North Dakota State's winning it all. Okay. Thank you, sir. They've got uh, basically – it's all 
schools out west still in the uh, finals of that, except for Albany, Albany. the Great Danes, with a nice win. Yep. We're going to wrap this y'all show up after this break. Beautiful music there. O Come, O Come, Emmanuel from the piano, guys. And that is not just something you want to hear for Christmas. That would be considered Advent music. We're back here wrapping up this Thursday edition of the show all about the Southeast. And we're going to talk about Advent for a minute because hashtag Hullabaloo is the little section that we call this program right now, the portion of this program as we wrap up this show. Hashtag Hullabaloo is where we find things on social media. And Ann Brooks Books. Ann Brook Books is on social media. Ann Brook is a multi-genre writer with a particular interest in women's fiction, crime, and more. She loves crosswords and gardens, by the way. But Ann Brook has put up an image that says... When considering Christmas, I find I prefer Advent's subtlety. And so that's what she writes here on social media. And we thought we would tell you, in case you're not all that familiar with Advent, it is a season observed in most Christian denominations as a time of expectant waiting and preparation for both the celebration of the Nativity of Christ at Christmas and for the return of Christ at the Second Coming. Advent is the beginning of the liturgical year in Western Christianity, and the name adapted from the Latin Adventus, which means coming arrival. The season of Advent in the Christian calendar anticipates the coming of Christ from three different perspectives. The physical nativity in Bethlehem, the reception of Christ in the heart of the believer, and the eschatological second coming. By the way, Advent begins in the Christian calendar. Let's see, it begins... I'm not sure when it begins. I just know that it ended this year on the 3rd of September is when Advent ended. So it's a couple of weeks there in the season prior to Christmas coming Advent. And we appreciate the conversation today on the Y'all Show to kind of bring you up to speed on this important aspect of Christianity, the Advent season. And O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, when you hear it now at Christmas time, think of it not just for Christmas, but for Advent. Also in the social media world, we got a post here from John Haig. John is the founder and CEO of Charter Schools USA. Did you realize that John Haig was named Floridian of the Year by Florida Trend? And again, he is the CEO of Charter Schools USA. And he's out this week on social media, John Haig, putting up 
that on Monday he had the honor of joining South Carolina Governor Henry Master celebrating the groundbreaking for a new school, the Somerville Preparatory Academy in Somerville, South Carolina. And John Haig is thanking those on social media for helping bring school t- choice to the low country and a charter school built in that would be Dorchester County, South Carolina, just outside of Charleston. And they've got school choice, as he says, thanks to a new school, the Somerville Preparatory Academy being built in the low country of South Carolina. That from John Haig, Mr. CEO of Charter Schools USA. That's a big subject right now, especially with 2024 about to come up. You keep hearing about charter schools and magnet schools and more and funding and who should be going to these things. Well, in the spirit of talking about schools and more, Rich Shoemate is on social media. He is at the underscore Shoemater, S-H-U-M-A-T-E-R. Rich is a journalism professor tweeting about Arkansas. And so he's got a lot of Arkansas information as he's been working in the natural state for some time. A guy who has a Ph.D. from the University of Florida. Rich writes on social media this week, Here's the question voucher proponents don't dare ask. Do you support allowing taxpayer dollars now used to fund public schools to be shifted to finance private schools, including religious schools with discriminatory admissions policies? That a question being asked by Rich Shoemate on social media. Makes you wonder. Makes you wonder what this is all about. Again, the question of voucher proponents not asking the question about do you support allowing taxpayer dollars now used for public funds and public schools to go to private schools. Rather intriguing. And this is going to be a big, big subject going forward in 2024, especially with teachers' unions getting into the political circus in 2024 that wraps up our y'all show for this thursday we're going to be back here we'll have paul Hare talking finance and more on our thursday program we'll give you the new movies that are about to come out for christmas that and so much for so much more coming your way on y'all john rawl thanking you for being a part of our show podcast on y'all.com as well as all of our other podcast homes thanks for listening <music>